Hello, everyone, and welcome to Into the Halo, a Warrior Nun fan podcast. I'm Kevin Batchelder. I'm Sheila Amato. I'm Kimberly Amato, and this is our discussion of episode 10. And we will be talking about specific things that happen in this episode, as well as different themes. So please, 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 if you have not seen it yet, please be aware, because you should see this episode. It's really cool. But we, we, will, <laughs> we have spoilers, so... <laughs> You're, you are warned. Well, there we go. Can't make it any plainer than that. Season one finale time. Yep. Eek. Yep. Uh, and uh, before we get to some of those discussions, uh, the news and updates we like to touch on here at the beginning of the podcasts. Um, for any of you that are on social media, I mean, the biggest news really is just that it's been fun to be seeing some social media posts. Some of the folks from the cast or the crew, directors, showrunner Simon Barry, some occasional um you know, photos or little type things there. They've been shooting this summer as we record this year in September 2021. Um, and actually just, uh, what is that, two days uh, before we recorded this uh, episode, uh, showing her Simon Barry, you know, she had a photo uh, mentioning on Twitter that uh, they were scouting the finale episode for season two. So they're pretty close to done by the time you folks are hearing this. Oh, to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> yeah well yeah it's it's great they're getting almost all the way there so uh, now comes the tough part of waiting to start to hear about uh, potential timelines for airing we're just gonna wait and see at this point but each day each day we are a little closer it did really season one was in the summer uh yes yep july all right so we can assume it might be around the same time i'd love it to be spring I was going to say, I would be all a gog if it was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll take anything as long as, you know, because we have season two. As long as season three follows, I'll take it no matter where it is. But I'm going to shut myself off before I keep going because it's going to be a very long episode. So I'm going to jump right into the title and the meaning of the title, if that's okay with both of you. Go for it. So episode 10 is titled Revelation. 2.10. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in a prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life and your as your victor's crown. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. All right. So, shall I do the recap now? Go for it. Okay. Episode 10. Final episode of season one. As the team anxiously await Ava's fate in the bowels of the Vatican, Cardinal Doretti is elected as the new pope. While in the tomb, Ava discovers the truth about Adriel and how he was the one who manipulated Ariella and created a narrative to suit him. In a dark twist, we find out that Father Vincent, not Pope Doretti, is the one who killed Sister Shannon and was plotting to release Adriel from his tomb by manipulating the sisters of the order into doing so. Uh. Son of a. <laughs> <laughs> okay. First, I just have to say this was non stop. Like mm. it didn't, it, for me, it was the one episode that felt like it was five minutes. Yes. It, it felt like it was five minutes until I started rewatching it for note taking. And then it seemed like every single minute I had to make a note of something that happened. Because <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> but 
but they sure did move it fast, like you said. And it was it was it was just so much like in the feels too, because there are things that you went the entire season feeling and believing. And I mean, I was telling Sheila, even though I had inklings of of Father Vincent, I was like, nah, Doretti's just too. It was too obvious for me. But it still, when when his tattoos lit up, I was like, oh, you son of a. I just, I, mm, it didn't, it didn't help even that I, I kind of thought it, I was like, no, come on, don't. And he did. And it was, just, I wanted to smack him. Well, I, I know I didn't see that coming. I didn't give that any thought very honestly until the moment he started to walk towards him. Um, so for me, you know, good on you. Totally got me on that one. Did you see his tattoos light up when he carried Ava? I did not. That's why it was such a shock to me that he was the bad guy, that he was the master manipulator, because I thought all this time he was the guardian of the the sister warriors, you know, and that's why to me the betrayal was just, it was so awful. See, it was also fascinating to me that his sleeves were always down. He always, like, even when they were fighting or whatever, he never rolled his sleeves up when he was around Ava at all. But the minute he went out with um, Shaka Mary, he did. The tattoos show up. Because his shirt was cut. Yeah. But now we also know the reason he probably did that was to hide that his tattoos would glow. Yeah. Which would have been like, you know, ringing bell. And again, that's where the rewatch of this stuff is just like, oh, crap. Because <laughs> <laughs> you see, you know, and I'm not saying you see it coming. There are some shows and movies, you know, when they have a twist like that, you can go back and watch it and kind of go, oh, look at that scene. Oh, look at that look or mm-hmm. whatever. And I got to say, for the most part here, it, it was not telegraphed. I didn't see it. I mean, we had the the part, like you said, when he, when he went with Shotgun Mary to go retrieve the map and all that the first time we saw him roll up the sleeves and heard a little bit about a past. But I thought that was more of just making us understand how committed he was that you said to the right sisterhood, you know, that he was willing to change that much. See, I saw him differently. Um, Doretti just felt, and, and I still feel at the end of this episode that even though he says he's out to protect the order, I still do feel he's out for himself. It's a power play. Um, there's still undertones for me with him, but with Vincent, I always felt like he was too obvious. You know, he was always too helpful, too wonderful. And I guess that's maybe my cynical side where I'm like, you don't even know this person. You don't know Ava. And you're saying you're going to like run out and save her and do all this stuff and help her. And I understand a little bit of leeway, but it just felt like you're letting this person run away who has everything that you need. And then when I heard his story, I'm like, all right, you're redeemed. I don't, I I can't explain it. There was just something always about him that rubbed me the wrong way. And I could never put my finger on it until I saw his tattoos light up. And then I kind of, it just, everything clicked into place. And then when mother superior is sitting there and going back and forth with Doretti while the, the explosions are going off and everything, excellent editing and cutting there. But when she confronts him and then you see realization form on her face, I was like, wow, okay, where do we go from here? Yeah. 
how do you backpedal out of that? Because he's the Pope. (laughs) (laughs) Whoopsie. Whoopsie. Do I get a take back on that one? Um, Well, I mean, let me just pause for a moment and say, we have so much to talk about from this episode and the whole season. We still have several more podcasts and lives events kind of things we're planning on doing to cover some of the themes throughout the season, as well as some of the things here. So this, this won't be a four hour podcast. We're going to, or at least we're going to try not to make it a four hour podcast. (laughs) We're going to try to kind of constrain a bit on just covering this one, knowing that there is um, Kimmy's sound clip. There's always more. Yes. There we go. (laughs) There's more on a lot of this. So yes, we might be a little scattered as we talk about some of the things in here, but we will come back to a lot of this, uh, shall we say, a little more of an organized fashion because part of the fun I wanted to have, and we're already doing it, talking about the finale, is just the impact of, especially that first watch of it. Because um, we know some of you have you know, already watched this uh, whole season before you started listening to the podcast, and some of you were going through it as we went. So you're probably very much like us as we're talking in this first one, like, you know, the, the OMG moments, they're just happening left and right, especially in that last 15 to 20 minutes. So should we go point by point or can we just. <laughs> it's our podcast. We can do what we want. <laughs> well, be, well, before we, we leave um, father Vincent, I just wanted to ask when he was telling Adriel, okay, don't, um, this is not the way you're supposed to be revealed to the world. And then Adriel whispers something to him. And his facial reaction was that almost of fear, at least I interpreted as that. Did you think that that was fear or that he realized, oh, crap, what am I, what have I done? Or is he still kind of going with the flow? Just putting a pin in that because that was something that is still turning around in my brain and I just can't quite figure it. I know for me on a, you know, on several rewatches now, the fear is a good one. That's a, that's a definite strong potential. The other one was, I wondered if it's a case of where he was bamboozled Mm. into thinking this was going to be some glorious thing he was doing to save him or help to release him. And Adriel basically told him in his little, um, couple of moments. Yeah. Thanks bud. But I got it from here. I don't need you. Right. Or something. Um, Because even once the the race start coming in and things start to go, he's just slinking to the back. Yep. Yep. Um, He's not even staying there to to fight or oversee it or anything. So, yeah, that's definitely one of those put a pin to season two because I could see it. I could definitely see fear. And I can also see you got the wool pulled over your eyes, too. Mm hmm. I personally definitely 100% got the be careful what you wish for vibe. Because like you said, the subsequent sequences, he's he's hiding. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yo, dude, I got you out of here. And, you know, we're going to be best buddies and I'm going to be your right hand person. And it's going to be wonderful and we're going to rule the world. And by the way, I'm the one in charge and you're nobody. You know, it just seemed and the way he walked past Vincent and brushed his shoulder and almost pushed him out of the way. It was a very dominant move. Yeah. 
So yeah, I'm going to it's going to be very interesting how someone went from in power controlling the OCS really to now being a servant. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting discussion for a future podcast. Yeah, we're going to have to wait to see what we get on that one. So then I have to ask because my besides this obvious betrayal and everything Adriel and Michael how intertwined they were oh crud who's the gentleman who works with jillian christian thank you um how he opens the door and he finds his faith again by seeing all of these drawings that has come from the mind of a child and he takes it as god's will when you know it's not and you see that Adriel is connected and these tendrils of his armor throughout has kept him connected to the world and has educated him and kept him involved and has allowed him to manipulate things from behind this tomb. What? (laughs) Yeah. To me, that was like Kingpin, you know, controlling everything from prison. It's like, whoa, man. And where the heck did Michael go? Uh, yeah. Well, I think the simple answer is to quote Adriel, the other side. Because when Lilith makes her move towards him and he tries to wish her away and realizes, you know, she's more than human now or in some way to perform, he's like, oh, you've been to the other side. So I'm guessing that's where Michael is. Now, technically, what the heck that is? No clue. Because we got a little more of that in the whole backstory of, of uh, Ariella when Ava basically, you know, got whooshed into that when Adriel touched her. And she kind of became the representative for that and heard a little more, learned a little bit. You know, the way the Tarask was coming through and the way Adriel dealt with it, and his healing abilities. Ay, ay, ay. What is that other side? Is that the faith side, the heaven, hell? Is that a alien? Is is that another plane? Is that a multiverse? <laughs> what are we looking at? Well, you know, we just have to have faith. <laughs> <laughs> I it, I have no idea. I have none because I keep going back to if that's hell, are they all already living in heaven? You know, is this the, quote, good place? And I I just, when he's looking at her going, you've been to the other side, and the way he, he looks her up and down, almost as if he's gauging her, you know, and then he can't figure out what she is because she's not a Tarrasque. So how did she come back? As if he doesn't, he has never seen something like like her. Which is interesting, obviously, since he comes from there. But when she looks him, when Lilith looks at him dead in the eye and says, you're nothing but a thief, how does she know that? That goes back to some of our earlier conversations on podcasts. When she did come back, we talked about what she possessed. Is is it still fully Lilith? Is there something else in there with her? Is, or is it knowledge that she somehow picked up when she disappeared with the, you know, the Tarrasque? Um Season two kind of stuff, certainly hoping. The one thing that struck me talking about Michael is that Jillian, for the first time in that scene, as Michael was jumping into the arc, 
it was the first time that I've actually seen her hesitant to, for Michael to go in. You know, she was always gung ho about getting him there so that he can be healed. This, this was the first time that I saw her, you know, maybe we shouldn't. And, you know, thinking about it, I guess everything that happened, right. That maybe it is a trap. Well, she's never been able to power it up and all of a sudden, miraculously it's powering up, you know, and she's talking about, and, and this is another thing that I actually loved is the fact that the word angel was tossed around left and right as if it had no meaning. And it just backed up the idea that, you know, words have no meaning until there's a purpose behind them, I guess, if that makes sense. Like he tells Ava, you know, I'm not really an angel, but I guess that's, you know, I'm the closest thing you can call it. He tells Ariella, yes, I'm an angel. Michael calls him his angel. So it's like he, he literally manipulates anything and everything to facilitate his bigger game. So when Michael jumps through and he's like, oh, I'll be fine. Michael is a child, very impressionable, who's been living in a bubble. So, and I think Jillian would have gone with him had Christian not stopped her. Well, yeah, she still had to doubt. But the, the thing that also got me was the parallel between Adriel and Michael. They were both in, in a prison, right? And they're trying to all both break free. Ooh, good one. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and Michael's the one who's got all of the uh, the divinium the particles, divinium, the divinium, yes. you know, whatever you want to call it. I don't want to say pieces, but you know, coursing through his veins and all too. So you can get where he would, uh, you know, be able to communicate mm-hmm. with uh, Adriel or potentially other beings, whatever. Um. And again, being the child, you're right. I mean, he keeps talking to his mom about things and and we're kind of like her turning our head like a a puppy almost when he says some things like, what, what does that mean? Um, So yeah, it's, it's interesting and and it's triggering um, for me on some of the rewatches and thoughts on it too, with the, with the whole room that um, uh, Christian discovers the drawings and everything else how it just emotionally overwhelms him brings back a lot. I think of the, like we talked about some of the faith things from his, shall we say previous life or mm-hmm. previous calling um, to, to have given this impression of, of the possibility of existence and all. And it's just, it, 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 it makes some of his work with Jillian now makes me wonder that, 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 that might be some of the stuff that we're going to go with in season two, potentially of um you know and, and again it totally depends on where they pick up um well we better pick up and see what happened to shotgun mary um but even after the fight that's playing there are, are we going to have the two of them just kind of sitting there on the floor of the lab wondering okay now what where, where'd he go and how do we get this powered back you know what i'm saying so right. I, I don't know that could be really interesting to see how the two of them now interact now that he's kind of had another awakening and she's actually seen that this works. And will she blame him for her not being with her son? Well, he, you know, again, being a parent, I kind of rewatched that a little bit, wondering some of that. And I'm like, you know, they set it up well in the sense of, 
he just kind of broke away when she was turning to look at him. It's not like he Christian caused it. So yeah, you could blame him. Uh, but then again, really it was just the, the kid broke out and made a run and she couldn't be fast enough. So you blame herself, blame him. You know, just wonder about the faith side of it. Not church faith for her, but faith that he's in a better place, which could be quite the downer if she then realizes who's the one really making a lot of this manifest. Yeah. Because then she's going to obviously be like we are as viewers, terrified from what Michael might be dealing with right now. So touching on Adriel and and (laughs) Ava, because I could go on for a very long time about what I think is going on with Michael. Um, their interaction. You need a, you need a pin for that? Yeah, I do because I, I'm trying, (laughs) I'm trying to keep myself on my notes, which are so clear cut (laughs) and no like question marks and theories. Ava and Adriel. I think that's, that's a huge part of this discussion because he preys on all of her insecurities. And I guess because the halo is in her, he seems to know everything about her. And it's almost stalkerish, creepy the way he uses it against her. Very much so. I mean, again, I don't know about either of you. I'd love to hear your thought on it. When, when she first got in there and he was there, that was another one of those WTF moments. Mm-hmm. No, I had no idea there would be a being alive there. So that conversation, and like you said, that's where a lot of the word I mean, angel is used many times in their conversations. And he contradicts himself a few times, naturally, to confirm he's a manu- you know, very much using can't talk, manipulation on her. You know, you saying that, yes, that's the closest thing you might understand, and I am, and then totally twisting it. You know, when it comes time for him reaching in to try to get the halo. I love how Ava stood up to him when he kept talking about, well, I don't want to have to hurt you. Well, then don't. <laughs> that was wonderful. <laughs> Good for her after all that's gone on. to, You know, because especially where to this point, too, she's kind of hoping Still, when she made it through to get to and expect to get bones, the idea of being able to stop the cycle of the warrior nuts. I mean, she very much had a mission, if you will. She was on task. We've talked for several podcasts about her not committing or not being sure, but she was very much on it. And then to have this thrown into the mix. Um, wow. So it's just, just more big stuff. Um, it, it you know didn't expect that early. That made that this whole episode just kind of veer off into so many directions, trying to wonder who he is. When 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 she kind of went and you know I don't I don't know what we want to call it, but could basically see from Ar- Ariel's point of view. So she you know saw and heard heard what happened, um, and could bring that back once she kind of had that out of body experience thing. Um, you know, I just, I just start thinking he's, you know, he was using the halo. He was using it to almost like open or close those portals by what he did. He knew that putting it in someone was going to make the Tarrasque not come through. 
but he also knew exactly what to do when the trask was there, how to use it to cut off like its arm and kill stuff it, it in its yeah. head to kill it. I mean, it's like he's done this a bunch of times before. And even when the trask got the better of him, I mean, he, you know, uh, got fixed up pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> he regenerated so, and yeah, off he went. So what's that going to mean for Aver and everybody? Because even in the little encounter they had where, you know, even with Camilla putting a couple of arrows in the back of his head and them all taking him down, it took him like, what, a minute and a half to pop back up? Yeah. Through, throughout that whole thing, I thought it was the halo, you know, when, when we were doing the flashback, I thought it was the halo that was giving him that power. But, you know, that last scene solidified it for me. No, he, he, he can regenerate on his own without the halo. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, that, like, how how in the world? I mean, I kind of had a feeling he wasn't, when we watched the flashback, when he jumped through, I mean, he's not human. That was my first thought, was like, oh, you're, you're not human. I don't know what you are, but you're not human. So I kind of was figuring he's something else, but obviously he's not like Lilith. So what the, is he a fallen angel? Like he could maybe have been an angel and then became a thief. I mean, is he like a supernatural? Oh man, I'm just going to, I got to stop myself. <laughs> nope. I got to stop myself. <laughs> but oh, yeah. yeah. We're going to have to have a discussion on just that, but here's something related a little bit to that without going too deep. Um, him talking to Ariella slash Ava um, about men and they will assume who he is and, you know, assume who you are based on what they found devils all this other stuff it sounds like he's been doing this for millennia uh-huh. yep in some way shape or form taking advantage of humans yeah. and he continues with that when he's telling Ava what is religion religion is fear and manipulation and without it there's no control and there's no power yep. so he knows he has been around the block around the block and then some <laughs> I think he built the block. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that scene where he was telling Ava about, you know, faith is, it's it's based on what cannot be proven, Mm -hmm. you know, and then he went on about without faith, there's no manipulation, like you were saying, Kimberly, it's just, oh my God, okay, he he definitely wants to keep the power. I mean, he is manipulating everybody and everything. Exactly like who? Cardinal Doretti, mm-hmm. he manipulated everyone to get what he wanted, which was to protect the OCS and get him power and become Pope. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting parallel. Yeah. yeah. And one is supposed to be good and one is now evil. And it's a very interesting way of looking at it where they're both doing the same thing, but they both have different reasons behind it. And in both cases, the people of the OCS are just being used as pawns. Yep. And both of their, you know, plans or, or goals or whatever you want to call it. It will be interesting to see once Doretti, now that he is Pope, finds out what's truly happening. Again, depending upon how they're going to set this world come, you know, episode one of season two. Um, is this going to let him show that he is, is truly committed to the people of the OCS and so forth that once he realizes this, or is this going to crumble the church as we know it (laughs) in this universe kind of idea, or is it all still going to be somehow on the down low, you know, is they going to have this, that big fight with the race. And that's really just a a smoke screen 
pun intended a bit, to let Adriel make an escape. And therefore, you know, they'll just wonder what happened with this explosion or something. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. why there's so, like you said, Kimmy, there's so many ways it could go that some of these rabbit holes, you know, won't even apply. Yeah. Because if they make um, one decision, half of them will close. Yeah. So, you know, to a certain degree, I'm trying to, you know, but I'm just, and, and I think I touched on this in a non-spoiler way, um, maybe on our last podcast recording, um, that the, the final scene with all of the, the, you know, the rates and the people and whatever we call them, zombified or whatever they are, converging all over Shotgun Mary mm-hmm. and then cut to credits. Now, <laughs> I remember on our, <clears throat> pardon me, tuning into sci-fi TV podcast shortly after this had aired and we talked about it. I said, I'm either going to love this show when it gets renewed or I'm going to hate it <laughs> <Yep. laughs> if that's where they leave me. <laughs> so I kind of had to, shall we say, hold my thoughts uh, for several weeks because I'm like, that is just either cruel or wow, great job to make sure we come back because um, I I got to say, watching it, like we said, it was it moved so fast. This was one of those ones where I wasn't looking at like a timer or a watch or anything to go. Oh, I've got ten minutes left. You're gonna wrap. I was just going with the moment, like, oh no, it's gonna. That's an end. Wait a minute. Wait yeah. A minute. What's yeah. wrong here? Because <laughs> that was just cruel. But it's also a perfect ending because it really does look like Shotgun Mary looks right into the camera, and it's almost as if saying it to you. And that to me reminded me of when um, Winona Earp, when Jeremy grabs the camera and goes, I need you to trust us. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. One. No, <laughs> no. Oh, I mean, I'm just, man, that was just bold storytelling. You know, now I have no idea if, you know, showrunners sound very new. They were you know, pretty sure to get a season two, but that was, that was a bold choice. That was a bold choice. Oh, the risk paid off, hopefully. Yeah. I think it was also, I mean, kudos for making that choice. I mean, it's not the it's not the Hollywood stereotypical ending, right? But also, you know, huge kudos because that really did that was the water cooler conversation. I mean, every episode has its good moments and has good points, but when you end a season like that, everybody's <laughs> talking about it. I mean, we talked about it for quite some time, and, and you've heard our, our podcast about it, Kevin. We we didn't stop mm-hmm. talking about it because it was such a shocking end. It's like, oh my god, what? wait, wait, what? Yep. What do you What do you mean? And then, of course, you know, Netflix is like, all of a sudden, the credits get cut off, and it's like, watch this, and it's like, no, 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 no. Where's episode eleven? <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. But I do want to bring in something funny. Can I? Can I mention Beatrice? When she sees oh, Adriel. Wait, I wanted to bring that up because that was like the first time she ever cursed. Oh, I know, but I need to hit the beeper. So, oh, okay. All right. You ready? Uh-huh. What the? <laughs> I was on the floor with that and like, whoa. And her expression is priceless. Yes. Yeah, no, she did such a good job all season. I mean, even right up to a few minutes before when Lilith was getting a little antsy and wanted to blow up the whole place, yeah. she was always the voice of calm and, and in and control. Reason. And at that yes. moment. That she, she just, what? You know, she was so concerned about finding Ava and getting her out of there. And then just turning and saying, saying that, it's like, okay. Yes, yeah, she is human. 
but you totally get it because she saw her hand come up out of all those rocks and all that was supposed to be there were bones. Exactly. <laughs> but see, now I guess, and I'm going to mention something. And if I need to put a pin in it, please let me know. You need to put a pin in it. Yeah, we got a whole box. Go ahead. <laughs> Is that why were the Tarasks in the wall facing? I believe they were facing out. I'm gonna have to rewatch it. I don't know which. I remember which direction they were facing when Ava's phasing into the tomb. But were they trying to get to him to find out if he had the halo because there was no signature? So why are they in the wall? I should have put a pin in it. <laughs> well, I mean, they did. Adriel did say that they had to build that tomb to to because they couldn't kill him, so they knew they had to build it. So he's in there. Without the halo, though, right? Mm-hmm. So what the Tarask is always, so what we've seen so far appears to be the Tarask are coming through looking for the halo. They're somehow drawn to it. Well, they built it when Ariella and Pope Urban II, right, was, that was when they built the tomb for him. So mm-hmm. Ariella presumably still had the halo, so I don't know. I, it, I guess that's a, that's a loophole. Because or a season two question. Or a season two question. Because the Tarrasque shouldn't be able to see or he, yeah, or, uh, hone in on the, on the halo unless Ariella was using it somehow. Okay, I'm going to go on a tangent for one quick second and then I'm going to shut up and I'm going <sighs> to pray to God that Kevin can bring it back. <laughs> what if the Tarrasque they're not evil, and the reason they're still searching the halo is because they attribute the halo to being stolen. Maybe it was like something from the other side. And so that is why they keep hunting it, not because they're trying to harm, but be try- they're trying to return balance to the other side, and the halo is it. And I really need to stop talking. No, I like that. I, I had wondered about that, too. Because, again, this whole idea of devils and angels... And our assumption, you know, based on physical physicalities, you know, IKA Tarask looks like monster, bad. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of merit to that, I think. Maybe again, um, as as Lilla said directly to Adriel, you're a thief, so he maybe he stole the halo. And like you said, the Tarasks are just guardians trying to move through space time or whatever to get it back. Um, so maybe they were. They somehow found out he was in the tomb and thought he might have it. So they tried to phase through a lot of rock and didn't make it. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a great question and it's a great mystery. I think the next season and and a lot may depend on what we find out about their true nature uh, and their goals too. But then again, Adriel says that he's in touch like with his armor and the halo. That's how he knows so much about Ava, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So is that just a natural ability of the halo or is it truly been his, you know, is this a case of where he's the last halo, last person who's had a halo and they've hunted down all the other ones over the millennia. I mean, here we go. This, this, well, this is a rabbit hole you can put a semi through. So okay, wait, know. but the divinium from the, he mentions the melting down of his armor and how it's being used is how he, stays informed. So the sword is in her possession. 
which now I think was made purely so he could keep tabs on the Halo Bear. I don't know if he's connected to the Halo, but I know he's connected to all of his, all of the Divinium. So maybe, especially Michael, after seeing Ava, is relaying all this information to him. I'm really going down the rabbit hole. Hmm. No, that got merit too, though. You're right. I mean, the Halo is totally different of that. It's the Divinium. That just happens to be his medal or whatever, you know. Um, and so really, maybe that way's. Because hmm. I mean, when when he was wielding it against the Tarasque, right? He was actually wearing gloves, and that's I I guess that's part of his armor. So it's protecting him against the power of the halo. So to me, that makes it seem like the halo was never his. He knows how to use it, but he needs to be protected from it. We did see in the first episode that it went through somebody's hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, flesh, right? Through yeah. human flesh. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if the Tarasque ever held it and if it if it affected the Tarasque, but um, in the rewatch of episode 10, I that's where I noticed it, that he was actually wearing gloves to wield the, the halo. So, hmm. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. And we're putting a pin in that. Yeah, I'm going to have to come back to that one, too. <laughs> you just add it to my list. Yeah, because, see, so much depends. Yeah, so it so much depends on the true nature of the Tarasque and uh, Adriel, you know, because you're right. We could, we, could, we could build up fanfic and, and our own show Bible on stuff that's totally false mm-hmm. um so i've done a, 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 a damn good job <laughs> of not making it uh, uh, a narrow possibility of directions to go from here um so i'm going to twist things okay going to the the final sequence when lilith um tells adriel you know the i know what you really are nothing but a thief i that line i know i mentioned earlier but it has somewhat struck me also, and I have this in my notes, because if you think about it, it really is somewhat of a description of the entire season. Everything in one way or another has been stolen. You have the halo was stolen from the Tarasque, shoved into Ariella's back, and then has been passed on. Um, Shannon's life was stolen from her. You have the order was stolen from Vincent. Vincent's betrayal. Um, The halo did not... Uh, it it uh, rejected Mother Superior. Um, if you think about how Shotgun Mary was very close to Shannon, you know her friendship was stolen. All of the stuff was all hinting at thievery, and now here's the thief who started it all. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Very good. Very good. I can. Yeah. Can see all of that there. So, is this potentially? Sorry, rabbit hole warning. Uh, is this potentially going to show us going into season two that because of Adriel's power, ability that he can't be killed, he's now released onto the world? Is this going to be an opportunity to take the believers and non-believers to ready Ava? Um, 
those kind of folks to a point of where they have to all, whether believers in the church or not, come together to battle him. So is this going to show us the idea of faith that was touched on all throughout the season comes back to faith in yourself rather than faith in someone else? And will they also work with the Tarask to fight him? And could Lilith be the bridge to be able to do that since she's been to the other side? And can maybe give us more information on that, what that means oh, and man. what the other side is. Oh, man, the possibilities. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just struck, too, when I start thinking about her and, and the whole encounters down in the catacombs from her um, killing, what's her name? The rejects, as we called them. Um, sorry, already forgetting that character's name. But when she just pops her oh, claws yes. out there what is her and name? just slices her. Um, to just being very vulnerable, talking to Aver or Mary or anybody else, and then going all, you know, ultra bad. Uh, again, again, I just, I'm still struck with what she is. Who, you know, is she possessed? Is she something else? <laughs> what is she? <laughs> right. And I don't know that she even knows still. That's, that's what's, that's exactly it. She was, that's what's. Because she goes, she wavered, or we watching her character, she appears to waver from just lost child almost um, to to soldier in, 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 in just an instant. Um, so, yeah, what's controlling that? Yeah, I, to me, it, it's like she, she awoke when Adriel came, you know, walking down the, the, the hallway or whatever that was. Um, it was like, you know, she she was in the daze, and then as soon as she saw him, she exactly knew what she needed to do, right? And Kimberly actually mentioned this to me. I did not catch it on the first run through, but when I rewatched it, you know, every time that Adriel um, landed a blow on Lilith, her hair turned even more gray. And I wasn't sure if she was absorbing that power um, and I don't know if it was making her weaker or stronger because it was like, okay, when Gandalf became gray, he became more powerful. Gandalf the white. Yes. So is that the same thing here? Or is it that he, every time he hits her because she's on this side and not the other side, is she dying a little bit because we've seen her also feel the wound need to be like peeled. She peeled the skin off. Yes. But she healed from that. Yes. But my point is, if he attacks her because he knows where to on a Tarrasque, if she responds similarly, does the gray hair mean that she needs to go back to the other side to be recharged before coming back? Does she have limit? Wow, this is Maybe really a rabbit hole. <laughs> she needs seven minutes. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna <laughs> change direction. <laughs> okay, the fight scene at the end. Let's <laughs> just move there. Isn't it phenomenal how they all seemed to move brilliantly around one another, knowing exactly where the other person was? It's as if no time had passed. There was no um, arguments or, or um, there was nothing between them anymore. 
they were a sisterhood again. Like all of those angry moments that we had seen with Lilith fighting with Ava, with Shock and Mary, all of that was gone. And here they were. And then when he argues with them going, you know, like, you can't kill me. It's like, we know. Mm-hmm. We just needed seven minutes. Oh, I love that scene. <laughs> it's like they're not afraid of him. Yep. I love very, it. very on task and very committed. And, and as you said, I love it because it's in the moment and it's important that it's now and they just naturally do it. Again, training and commitment to each other in this life or the next to just be right there on point. So, yes, it was it was beautiful. Not only the choreography, as you mentioned, but just the natural way that they all felt so together to do it. The way it was shot and edited, too, was stellar. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, it's as you can just tell from the conversation here, you just set little, let it kind of settle in. You start to talk about it. Then one of you brings up another thing I hadn't thought of or noticed. And then I start taking that bit of info, checking it against (laughs) ideas in my head. Does it rule any out? Does it open up any others? Um, And this is where it's, uh, you know, a masterclass in in, uh, what I call storylines. Storylines of where it could go. Um, you know, when you've got an excellent show and, you know, why Nona Earp is a great example. You know, Emily's known for those season finales just make you go, wow, okay, I have no idea what's next. <laughs> uh, and, and they did the same thing here in that sense of, of, you know, we're literally in the middle of a fight cliffhanger, but what is, what is that going to mean? And how does it do it? Because we talked too on one of our previous podcasts about how with the explosion there at the Vatican, um, isn't that going to open up for the the muggles, the average person? Uh, wow, what's going on? What does this all mean? You can't, you can't kind of, or at least I don't think you can, just make that go away from a, a real world point of view. And also, Adriel's afraid of Ava. I mean, he didn't want to face her. When she walks forward and the sword is glowing blue and her back is bright as day, he is a chicken... <laughs> And literally calls the wreath demons to protect him and fight them. He's afraid of her. Why? It's got, you know, it's got to be that 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 sword, when used in conjunction with the halo or something, is the kryptonite or the thing that can, I don't know if I want to say kill him, but. Incapacitate him? In some way, shape or form. Because you're right. I mean, he decided even though he was a big tough guy up till then, like, okay, let's bring in the troops and, you know, let me get out of here. Yeah. And he but that will. could have also been that conversation with Vincent though, because Vincent's the one reminding him, dude, okay, this plan, this way we're going to do this. You just can't go all, you know, crazy guy. I mean, the, the thing that got me was that he used the crowd around to have the wraiths, you know, possess them so that, because he knew the sisters would not harm the humans really, right? They won't, they won't kill hum- the humans. That's why Shotgun Mary wasn't shooting off her gun. Mm-hmm. She was hitting them, but not killing them because they're still innocent. And so he, Adriel was using everyone around him in order to, to try to win the battle. I don't know if he's going to be running away after that or if he's going to still try to get the halo from Ava. All right, so related tangent, if he can control these great demons, as we saw him do, 
Does that mean all throughout the earlier part of the season that was him bringing race in here and there for Ava to deal with and so forth? Possibly. I mean, you know, in the tomb, he was tell uh, Adriel was telling Ava that, um, or was it him or was it Father Francis? So okay, uh, Father Vincent. Um, you know, we wanted you to have to think that you were doing this this goal. You know that that this is what you wanted to do. They manipulated her into doing that. So I, I think that the wraiths were part of that whole scheme. Yeah, I felt that way too. And it it, it kind of angered me too, because here's this person, Ava, who is thinking she's coming to her own conclusion of, I'm going to do this, I'm going to be better, I'm going to help. And really, it's just because somebody else was forcing her down that path. So her faith that she was putting into something turned out to be flawed ind- indirectly because somebody else manipulated her to to do what they wanted her to do to fall to the next step. They needed her because she, you know, let's be honest, she's not a stereotypical warrior nun. She had to follow a certain track to get to where she needed to be, where she believed that she could do this, where she believed she was worthy of this and wanted to do it. And that was by appealing to her goodness. Mm-hmm. And even he says, you know, you, you didn't take a second chance and squander it. You were running around and having fun and doing everything. I, you know, most people would have done that. They would not have done that rather. You know, they, he went on and tried to, it's like one minute he's preying on her insecurities and the next minute he's propping her up with all of these, these things. Um, he even tells her, you know, you might not die. You might just go back to where you were before. But the whole time before we were told, no, she shouldn't probably would die. Because what she was before was dead. All of part of his plan to keep her off kilter. Off kilter, yeah. But notice the halo when Ava, in the tomb part, when Ava was fighting, it rejected him and shot him across the room. Or was that Ava self-preserving? But either way, the the halo, the halo halo has defended her when she's been threatened and her emotions, like we saw this before with, uh, oh, which sequence was it where she's in the, um, in the, the room and the rejects are trying to attack. Um, we've seen it do it then. So now it's doing it here. So she's even more in control. And I'm curious if the halo itself is somewhat sentient and knows that, you know, this is a bad, bad man. Mm. Does it have a memory? Well, we know from, <clears throat> excuse me, Mother Superion that the halo does reject bears, but why? That certainly leads into a sentient side to it. But then why would it reject someone? Insert cricket sound here. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there's always more. <laughs> I'm just going to insert that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's you know these are the, these are the things that, and I suspect for you folks listening, if, if you've watched the you know the whole series um, multiple times, that you just start thinking about these. You start wondering which part connects to which other part. Um, you know, and where it builds from on that. Um, cause that, then, then I start going back to the, you know, if, if we talk about the sentience possibility, it, you could sense that Ariel, um, you know, that it, 
wouldn't want to be at his beck and call, so to speak. So when it got the chance, when it was in Ariella and then again, going to other uh, warrior nuns, was it the one trying to find someone that would help it to get him out to deal with that? Because you would think if, if it was sentient and didn't like him, then it wouldn't even want to have Ava trying to get in there to get him out, right? Unless, as a sentient being, it realized it had finally found the one that could stand up to him, like you said. So that's, she went that, in there to release yeah. him so that they could end him. Yeah, okay. He's just a very, very bad man. <laughs> and he's not really a man, is he? No. no. <laughs> bad thing. He's a bad yeah, I'll go with thing. Entity. <laughs> I also have to just add, I really liked that Ava, when um, when the wraiths are all coming down, she's like, you know, let's all regroup. And they're not really that far apart, but they kind of go back together a little bit. And then, you know, they realize, you know, they're going to fight. And then she says, in this life or the next, you know, she accepts. It, it feels like that moment of, we're here, we're, we're a team and we're going to, we're going to do this. It's a hundred percent trust now. And she accepts her position. Oh, completely. You know, again, again, just another reinforcer that just makes you, you know, so excited to see what she can do, um, and with the rest of the gang there to do it. Um, and again, going back to, to the conversation with him in the, in the tomb, you know, to, to, appear to be willing to give it to him until she realizes she can sense that it's just not quite right. Um, and then like you mentioned, when there've been a couple of times where when the halo has been in her, she has done something that's just emitted so much energy. Uh, you know, almost what did she, when she was with, uh, uh, a bunch of, of the gang when they were just all, you know, house hopping at one point, she caused cracks in the walls. Mm. And they were coming down on her a little too hard. So it's obviously emotionally driven too. So, um, yeah, that that's maybe that's part of Adriel's concern is that the Halo has found a bearer who has the ability to harness its power enough to be a problem to him, whereas in the past it wasn't. But again, then we still come back to when we start. At least I do. When I start doing all of this, it's like. The moment when it started with Ariella, I mean, he came through portal. Uh, Tarask was right behind him. So what's he do? He stuffs it in her. Uh, but it, again, is that the first time that ever happened? He sure looked like he knew what he wanted to do. So it's not like, so I think he's been doing it before and that maybe it's never been documented in, you know, past. I don't, you know, that's, that's where I start. I start going down to the origin of, like you brought up, I think, Kimmy, fairly early on, is you know, what is he? Why did it come through to here? Maybe this was the first time that there was something organized behind it strong enough to maintain. Because, I mean, he could have taken the halo back at any time. Why didn't he? And as he said, they wanted it for power. Well, so does he. If the church wanted it for power and the church entombed him, you know, I'm not saying that, the church hasn't done some bad things, but to entomb a thing for eternity is kind of extreme. What if the church 
back then somehow was able to align with the Tarasks. So it's actually the Tarask that got Adriel under control and made him stand with the Tarask in the tomb as it was built around him. And the Tarask was basically giving up its life, knowing it was going to be entombed. And it took a shot to see if it worked its way through the rock, kind of like Ava did, and it just didn't make it. So maybe it was in there to begin with and was on its way out. There's always more. <laughs> that just blew my mind. Okay. Because that, be, that would be the a plausible explanation. And the other backup to Ava being maybe the strongest bearer is, even though the other bears have been trained, none of them, like they always mention, you know, it's tied to your emotions, you need to control your emotions, but they never mention these outbursts of energy of any of the other. I mean, they, they, they've never seen it be drained. Right. Because they never knew how long the time was. They only figured that out when Ava was using her emotions so much. And they're saying, well, it's because you're not trained. Is it? Could it be that it's because she's the quote unquote chosen one? And if she is, why? We don't know anything about her father. Hmm. I went there. Hmm. Yeah. And again, probably most of the people, the bearers, have always been people trained in the ways of the church, committed to doing this for the sake of the OCS and the church. Therefore, to some degree, they probably have been very much taught to dampen their emotions and just stay on task. And Ava had none of that training on teaching and service, you know, obviously with her, her situation at the orphanage and all, she's just, you know, she's just a ball of emotion and, you know, living in the moment. So maybe that's part of the reason why going back to the story of Vincent, he was willing to say, I'll give her some time. Let's see if she comes back to the fold because they knew they had to have someone who was a bit, out of the norm uh, and maybe potentially um, could go the wrong direction. But then again, if, if, if through his uh, Adriel's ability to see what's going on in the world from the shield and all, even if Ava never came back, <laughs> they'd still probably have a find a way to go hunt it down and get it out of her anyway. And then do this all over again, you know, because he's probably been trying to do this manipulation again for a thousand years. Then we have to question, why did Vincent kill Shannon? Was she on to him? Or did he see the attack as a, pers- a perfect time to get the halo? Yeah, maybe he had maybe. determined that, okay, Shannon is not going to come on our side. She's too committed to, shall we say, the cause, the church. Okay, it's time to get a new halo bearer. This one's a little too straight now. So then I pose the question, how many has he killed? Hmm. And there might be some bits, you know, when um, Ava phased into the room Shannon had and got the book that all the warrior nuns were listed in or had noted in. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that book comes back now they have more time to digest what's in there and they start to see more stories about questioning this and that, you know, maybe to, to build a background and foundation for us. I wonder if that book actually does mention... No, no one knew that Adriel was alive. I was going to say, I wonder if they had bits and pieces. But did they? Did they, though? Because, uh, uh, I mean, if you go way, way back, they knew he was alive when they entombed him. 
So that could have been written in the book somewhere. Hmm. You know, the book that's not shared, you know, the one that they talk about the bones and everything else for the sake of the order and keeping everybody in line. Maybe there's another subset somewhere. The real story. Yeah. And maybe a lost language that even Beatrice might not know. <laughs> Beatrice knows everything. Yeah, I was going to say, if she doesn't know it, she'll learn <laughs> she'll it. She'll learn <laughs> it in like five minutes, right? She will. She'll pick it up. Because Beatrice is awesome. <laughs> so certainly not the most linear podcast we've done. No. Sorry but. about that, folks. <laughs> But the nature of this episode and its impact, as you folks can tell, kind of made sense to just go with what hit our minds. Um, and yeah, many of these things, as and we, we joke, but you know, we love her for it. Uh, Kimberly's list is going to come in handy for some discussions because we need to drill specific on some of these. Because um, they're just so fascinating. So do I get to hit with my question? I actually have a two-parter. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> you know the usual, you know, what do you think the title of the episode meant, how it related? But my second question is, literally it says, you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Is that in reference to, like, maybe season two being over 10 days? What is your, and I, I say this on Forever Fangirls, I always say spoiler speculation, and I meant speculation, and it just has kind of stuck now. So what is your spoiler speculation about that specific point, And what do you think the episode meant? Sheila, do you want to go? Or do you want me to jump first? Um, you can go, Kevin. Well, with the, with the title like Revelation, you know, in its most straightforward way, obviously there are so many revelations in this episode from a story point of view. Um, and the idea of suffering, um, you know, devil putting you into prison, to test you that can apply to Adriel that can apply to our gang of heroes now um, the 10 day part though I, hmm, I, I'm, I'm not sure if that's going to be a literal 10 day thing as part of a story come season 2 but I can see there being some part where this is the jumping off point to an idea that they, they have to go through a trial of some type and when I say trial I mean it more of the if they go in that direction where season two kind of starts where Adriel's kind of made a, he's, he's run away. They've been able to at least kick back some of the, um, the race, maybe by him leaving the race also leave. So, you know, fingers crossed, no, none of our team gets injured or killed. Um, but they now have this realization that we have a much bigger problem at hand than just a church, you know, um, hiding things and, and trying to control people. We, we literally have something close to a devil on earth. So this is a much bigger thing than we thought. And then it's time for them to then have to spend the time to, to say, okay, how can we attack this problem? And realizing it's, they can't do it on their own. This is where I'm talking about maybe the Trask or Duretti, entire church, something to pull in for resources to be able to deal with this. Mm. See, when I, when I read this, I mean, Revelation, like you said, Kevin, it's just, you know, it, all will be revealed in, in this, and all was. Um, but to me, what, what was sticking in my head was that I was thinking about Father Vincent, and that, you know, he really wanted to 
release Adriel. So he was the one who is sacrificing all of this in order to help. So he was in a prison, right? Because he was being someone he was not. Um, and he was faithful to the end because he was hoping to get something out of it, something bigger. Um, but like we were talking, he might end up not getting anything. Um, and as far as the 10 days, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that's like maybe just a, I don't know what the word is, but it's, 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 I think, I think Kevin, you actually mentioned it's not literal. It's maybe they put 10 days there, but it's going to be some amount of time. Okay. I have two answers because look at my mega list. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Number one, I thought, okay, if we're looking to this, you know, it's revelation. um, Obviously you both said everything coming to light as to what's going on. You know, they say, don't be afraid to suffer. And they, I mean, they're basically going headfirst into this battle. So they're going to be tested. We know that the order is basically been, even if um, Jaredi tries to bring it back, you have the explosion, you have everything else. So they're going to be tested whether the order is still kept or not. Will they be looked upon differently? Because technically they blew up the Vatican. You know, there's a lot going on. So... I kind of lean to that where it's going to be, there's, there's a lot that's going to happen in season two. That's going to push them to the brink. But I think if they work together and as a unit, even to the point of death facing and fighting wraiths and Adriel, they'll be okay. I think that's, that's part of what it's saying. But then I'm sitting there cause you know me. And I was like, what if this is not necessarily used for the future, but used to summarize the entire season. Ava had the halo shoved into her back. Don't be afraid of what you're going to suffer. I will tell you the devil will put some of you in a prison to test you. She was a quadriplegic. Then she gets the halo. Then she's being tested all along the way. Um, Shotgun Mary dealing with the death of Shannon, trying to figure it out. Doretti being, you know, us being suspicious there. Uh, Mother Superior fighting every step of the way because Ava's not worthy. Lilith disappearing and coming back. They're all being tested this entire season. And yet, even at the point of death, right before Shotgun Mary runs in, they are all as one with their faith as a unit fighting together in this life or the next. Wow. And then the revelation is the fact that all of this came to light and we've all seen what's gone on this whole time. I actually like your, your idea of that this was the summary of the whole season. Because now that I'm reading that as you're explaining, you know, as you were explaining, I'm like, oh. And, and as oh, far as the 10 that. days, I mean, theoretically, it might have been 10 days from the time the halo went into her back till that end. If we're taking it literally, if we're taking it figuratively, you know, it could, it could mean anything. Yeah, that's, that's something. How does something like that occur to you? I mean, what, what triggers that? <laughs> She's a contrarian. She thinks, like, everybody goes zig, she goes zag. Look, I sat in a movie theater watching The Sixth Sense, and I oh, kept no, leaning don't over. Even. No. Well, look, this no. is a spoiler episode. No. Yes. We're talking about, we're talking about. 
Well, the point is, I figured the movie out, and I kept asking no, her questions, do- and she got angry. No, we are doing more. You're none. We're not talking about that. <laughs> I truthfully, it's I. I like puzzles. I very much. That's why I went into psychology. That's that's why I I write. I like looking at all aspects of things, and sometimes these random things just come out in my head, and it makes logical sense. And other times I think it's logical and I say it and it's not. I don't know. I think we have to to ask Simon what what this one meant and and see if I'm even close. Maybe. Yeah, I would I would love a behind the scenes on how they selected these and, and you know, what kind of approach was used and how you knew you were on the right track. Cause that's a lot. It's a lot to I mean, a title is the insight into the episode. So Mm -hmm. who scoured all of these to come up with them? Yeah, that's what I mean. That's I'd love to love to hear more about that. That's very fascinating to me. And I do. It's also very interesting, you know, as someone who is not a writer and and certainly, as you said, enjoying puzzles, but also someone like yourself who's used to creating worlds and creating things. I guess, you know, that's part of what probably gets your mind. Um, looking at possibilities and how you would create something or use it, you know, cause I'm, I'm for many years, for those who don't know me, I'm, I, I often talk about the fact that when I watch shows that I'm enjoying, I know I'm enjoying it. If I'm totally in the moment, like I feel like I'm standing, you know, at the shoulder of the character we're watching on TV. Therefore I don't think about the um, story part of it to be able to guess what's going to happen next or whatever. I, I feel that me as a viewer makes me feel like I'm riding that roller coaster um, and can, you know, laugh and gasp uh, because I very much feel like I'm there rather than I'm detached and looking at it as a construct. I'm the same way with you, Kevin. I cannot think about anything. I have to be in the moment and it's only through like rewatching where I actually take a step back and Kimberly is the one who, who looks at those other dimensions. And then that's where, <laughs> that's where our discussion <laughs> come in. It's like, wait, no. In, in fairness, I will actually pause an episode and go, Oh my God, did you see in the back corner what that one person did? That extra was moving this way. And Oh my God, that might mean this. And she, and then I would be like, give me the remote. She has, <laughs> And she's told me to just be quiet. I mean, I'll literally look at her and be like, but no, she'll take the popcorn away from me. No, but I, Hey, that's what's fascinating for me when it comes to interacting with fans of a property, doesn't matter, book, movie show, um, because of all the different ways people are, um, I want to say taking it in, but for some people it's, it's, they take it in. For some, they, they do it at an arm's length. For others, it's more intellectual. For others, it's more emotional. I mean, that's just fascinating for me when I start talking fan discussions and other things. Um, so that's where it's fun. That's why I was curious when asking you, because see that applying that to, an, to the entire season would never in a million years enter my brain. Um, again, just the way I think. So it's just fascinating to hear how others... Um, you know, are approaching it. And that's Which, why we have podcasts to this. Yeah. And now that's why we let Kimberly handle the list because her brain has gone to so many of these spots. 
in, in a great way that I, you know, might not have thought of. I'm really tempted to tweet Mr. Barry and ask him, hey, was the title of episode 10 a summary of the entire season? <laughs> Question mark. Can you tell me more? <laughs> uh. Well, he might be busy doing post-production, so. Well, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't expect we'll an have answer. To, we'll find an opportunity. Yeah, I was going to say, it's some opportunity. Make sure that's on a list of questions. So then I guess I have to ask, are we good? <laughs> <laughs> I think I am. I am too. You don't want to go any, <laughs> down any more rabbit holes? Well, we do, but we want to make them their own, or at least I do, their own self-contained discussion rabbit hole. Because this, this, I mean, again, I'm going back to first time I watched this. So mainly for those listeners that have only just recently seen this for the first time, this is a lot to digest. And we don't want to seriously recommend rewatches of it for all those different reasons and things we covered and talked about here. Because again, even I now, after several, heard several more that I'm not going to go back and look at. Well, I'm going to have to go rewatch it when Sheila mentions the ring, Cardinal Doretti's ring lighting up. I think it was yeah. episode three or four. And I had to go back and rewatch the whole thing. I'm like, wait, why did I miss that? I don't miss <laughs> things like that. And I noticed it more in this episode a couple of times he did it for that reason, because I hadn't thought either until she brought it up. So, well, it's quite, quite an episode, quite a fun season to cover. Um, and, and we are far from done in our discussions, folks. I mean, we've got a while still till season two will be coming. So we're going to have some fun doing some more podcasts, potentially live events to talk about in more depth. Some of these things here and certainly some of the other things related to it. But you know what? There's always more. I'm glad there's more. Oh, God. I'm so happy. Yes, yes. Like I said, I will always own up to the fact that I was cursing and loving Simon for a few weeks there. Again, the way Kevin goes all in, and I, I, again, I get it with some folks like to wait to what, you know, it's, it's that age old question of fans. I don't want to be burned. I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to be left on a click hangers. A lot of folks won't watch the first season of a show or whatever until they're certain there's more of it. Or there's certain from friends that it's a worthwhile conclusion so far. And I get it. But I don't know. To me, that takes away some of the fun of being willing to dangle my emotions out there. See, when I saw the trailer, which I'm just going to say that trailer was so brilliant. I wanted to see it right away. Mm -hmm. The problem was real life got in the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And by the time I was ready, you know, we had time to see it. It was over, I think, a weekend. We binged the whole thing. And it had just announced, I think, a few days earlier mm-hmm. that it was renewed. I'm like, oh, well, let's, seriously, we've got to watch it now because I don't want to have season two come out and not watch season one. I don't want to be behind that far. Mm-hmm. And then I made yeah. her sit through two days of watching it. <laughs> it was worth it. Definitely. Yeah. No, hey, we live in a wonderful time to have this much choice. Uh, to be able to watch the things we enjoy. it's, But it's also a bit daunting when there is that much, and we all still have real lives and commitments that uh, means we have to get a little more selective sometimes on what we can watch. But kind of as a way to entice you folks to come back for those future podcasts, I think Sheila might have a little bit for you there. I do. I do. 
Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we are actually planning a little giveaway. Are we? Yes. But. Do tell. But you're going to have to tune in to our next podcast because that's where we're going to give you all of the juicy little details. Just be aware, though, it is actually really cool. <laughs> The giveaways are coming. The giveaways are coming. <laughs> <laughs> we did promise them, but they're coming. Yes, yes. They, they are coming. They are coming. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have some fun. We think you folks will enjoy a shot at uh, some of these things. So there's, there's the dangling part that we'll leave you with. Yes. But you do know we will, we will come through on that one. For sure. And we did say they, so there's more than one. Yes, very good. Picking up on these things. This show has taught us a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this has been a blast. Um, I, it's funny going through to do this, wondering how we were going to kind of do it, and then just naturally falling in and doing it. I think it's going to be interesting for you folks as listeners, and certainly throw us some feedback on any of the different methods that we list at the end. Because I, I know, at least for me, there were several points where when one of you brought something up, I literally paused. I was tapping the chin or looking up in the air to digest it. So there might be a few select pregnant pauses throughout the uh, recording, uh, which is just a natural way, I think, of absorbing what we all witnessed there. Yeah, because we, we really don't discuss all of the points that we want to talk about before we record. It's just It just happens organically. And so it's, uh, especially like when Kimberly pulls out that, thing about the revelation thing that was a revelation <laughs> yes so i think that makes it more fun i can't show all my cards up front <laughs> <laughs> no that's i think that's a big part of the fun hopefully the listeners do as well absolutely so we appreciate you folks uh sticking with us throughout the full length of this discussion um and uh, we'd love to have you come back for more uh, as we've said because we've got some time till season two and we've definitely got some topics to talk about. So I know I'm looking forward to them, but we do appreciate you folks tuning in and checking it all out and, uh, you know, hope to hear you back here soon. If you'd like to contact us here at into the halo, we offer a few different options. You can send us an email at into the halo podcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at warrior Nun pod. If, however, you prefer to leave us a voicemail, please go to speakpipe.com forward slash into the halo podcast, all one word, where you can leave your 90 second message. We will have all of this information and much more on our website at warriornumpodcast.com and in every episode's description. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to hearing from you. <laughs>